Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 359. Today's big Bible question, did Jesus claim to be God? Plus, what is a holiday that the Bible says will be celebrated across the earth? Well, hello, friends. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome aboard, and shout-outs to new listeners from Pampanga, Philippines, New South Wales, Australia, Auckland, New Zealand, Sindh, Pakistan, Karnataka, India, the Czech Republic, New York City, Albany, New York, Dallas, Minneapolis, Boston, and St. Louis. Only 12 episodes of the Bible Reading Podcast left to go for the year. I am grateful for all of you who listen. Thank you. And I hope that this has been useful to you, maybe even a blessing to you. This Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific, I would like to invite you to join our church on Facebook Live uh, as we stream our service and the message. Uh, it will be at the Facebook page VBC Salinas, Victor Bravo Charlie Salinas, S-A-L-I-N-A-S, VBC Salinas, 11 a.m. Pacific, although you can watch it on tape delay. We are going to be talking about what it means that the coming of Jesus brings peace on earth to those he favors. So, pop quiz hotshot. Name a holiday that the Bible says people will celebrate the world over by sending each other gifts. Well, if you guessed Christmas, the obvious one, that is incorrect because the Bible, for one, doesn't use the word Christmas, nor does it mention people sending each other gifts in celebration of the birth of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that. You can do that. But the Bible just doesn't talk about it one way or the other. Now, if you said death of the two witnesses day, well, then you are much closer. If you aren't familiar with that particular holiday, well, I can't blame you because I just made up the name. But our Revelation chapter today does tell us that God's two witnesses will be so hated by some of the people of the earth that when they die or when they are killed, people will send each other gifts to celebrate. Revelation 11.10 says, Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Well, how chilling is that? We will read the whole of Revelation 11 momentarily, along with 2 Chronicles 24, Zechariah chapter 7, and John 10, which is our focus passage. And our big Bible question of the day is a doozy. And since this is a weekend question, we're not going to be able to like, spend a ton of time on it. We're not going to take a huge deep dive theologically. The question, was Jesus God? Did Jesus claim to be God? is one we've discussed before, and you could write books on it, not just one book, several books, Um, but we're going to kind of skim over it today. But don't worry too much, because honestly, skimming over the issue is enough to make it really, really clear. Did Jesus claim to be God? Well, let's read John chapter 10 and find out. John chapter 10, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it up for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are the thieves and robbers, 
But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. For I, But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon, and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? And others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. And Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man... Make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called those to whom the word of God came gods, and the scripture cannot broken be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing my Father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Then they were trying again to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. So, if you are pedantic, you can read the Bible and say something like, well, Jesus never said that he himself was God. He never said, quote, I am God, which is true to an extent, I suppose. Jesus never did say those very exact words. However, there are numerous instances in Scripture where Jesus made it very, very clear, in fact, more clear than if he had used that phrase, that he was, in fact, God. And we know that the people listening to him realized that was exactly what he was claiming because more than once they attempted to murder him on the spot for what they considered to be blasphemy. Now, to be clear, somebody claiming to be God, then they are not, in fact, God, is indeed blasphemous, but somebody claiming to be God when they are God is simply telling the truth, and trying to kill somebody for telling the truth, well, that's called murder. In our passage today, we have one of the clearest examples 
of Jesus' claims to divinity. He says, I and the Father are one. And he calls God his Father. And he says, my sheep know my voice. I, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And so right after the Jew, he says, I and the Father are one, the Jews try to kill him. And he says, why are you trying to kill me? And they say, because you being a man, make yourself God. He, Jesus says it as clearly as he could have said it. I and the Father are one. And of course, the Jews pick up rocks to stone him because they know. By the way, that is kind of an interesting cultural response, isn't it? Somebody says something that angers you and you believe is horrible, so you pick up rocks to hurl at them and make them die. Well, I'm from Alabama. The Alabama version of this would be that people would unholster their guns and begin shooting because, you know, in Alabama, pretty much everybody has a gun and a football. I don't know about the California version. It's a lot harder to get a gun around here. Maybe around here it would be knives or Maybe somebody would just try to run you over with their car or their longboard. That's pretty California-esque, but I digress. The Jews tried to kill Jesus because they said he made himself out to be God. And this is not the only place in Scripture that Jesus clearly taught that he was God. And there are many more places that just outright say that Jesus is God. But the ones out of his mouth, for instance, John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Well, that's pretty clear right there. How about John 5, 17 and 18? Jesus said to them, my Father is working until now and I am working. This was why the Jews were all seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Well, he said it right there, and they knew. They tried to kill him several times. And by the way, pause for a second. Uh, If they tried to kill Jesus several times and they were unable to, what's going on here? Well, why would that happen? Is Jesus just slippery or maybe super fast? No. He says it right here in this passage, John 10. He says, I lay down my life. Nobody's able to take it from me. When it's time, I'm going to lay down my life. So all these other times when the Jews tried to kill Jesus and they failed to, it's sort of like... um I've got a nine-year-old daughter. Every now and then over the years, I've uh, wrestled with her and wrestled with my son when he was that age and and the other kids too. And you know, as a dad, sometimes you let them when they're seven, eight, six, five, well, eight, ten, whatever, you let them get the best of you. You let them sit on your chest and feel like they're making progress or whatever, but you're letting them. It's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He let them kill him. He had all power. The reason why the Jews didn't succeed in killing or stoning Jesus all these times is because it wasn't time for him to lay down his life yet. And the reason why they did succeed the one time they did is because it was time for him to lay down his life. He says it to us in John 10, I lay down my life of my own accord. Well, anyway, let's go to Mark 2, another uh, incident where we see Jesus basically claiming to be God. Mark 2 verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And immediately Jesus, perceiving this spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Well, probably the clearest and boldest claim. It's pretty short. But understand, it goes far beyond Jesus simply saying, Oh, yeah, I'm God, is in John eight fifty eight when Jesus says to the, the Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, twice he says it, Truly, truly, I'm about to tell you the double truth, Before Abraham was, I am. Now that's interesting grammar there. In most cases, it would be improper. But this goes beyond saying, I am God in a variety of ways. For one, Jesus is saying that he pre-existed Abraham, who when Jesus said that had lived hundreds of years prior to that. But the big deal, and you've probably heard this before, but when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, He was saying he's God in a clearer way than if he'd said, I'm God. He's referring back to the name of God, Yahweh, in the Hebrew, Exodus 3.14, when God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, and Moses says, who should I say is sending me on this mission? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The name of God, the personal name of God, Yahweh, means I am that I am. And when Jesus here says before Abraham was, I am, he is saying he is God. He is saying I and the Father are one, but he's saying it in even a clearer way than that. And look, friends, we know the Jews understood perfectly what Jesus was saying in John 8 too, because what does verse 59 say? Well, they picked up stones to throw at him. They knew it. They knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. In fact, they were willing to kill him over it. So did Jesus claim to be God? Absolutely, multiple times. Did Jesus claim to be God the Father? Well, not not exactly that. He did not. He claimed to be God the Son. And we see such a claim quite clearly in his high priestly prayer in John 17, as well as in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority, that's a big word there, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus did not say I and the Father are the same. He said I and the Father are one. Two very different statements there. And finally, we see the claim of Jesus to being God the Son in John 3, when he clearly outlines in discussion with Nicodemus that he he is the way of salvation. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, honestly, I don't think it could be any clearer. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus claimed to be God. 
And we could spend a lot of time today talking about the Trinity, but again, this is not a theological podcast. This is a Bible question podcast. And I think that covers it quite clearly. Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus knew that he was God. Jesus was God. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, says John 1. Uh, I think that's beyond really any question for somebody who is a student of the Word. Well, let's continue. 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibla. She was from Beersheba. Throughout the time of the priest Jehoiada, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Jehoiada acquired two wives for him, and he was the father of sons and daughters. Afterward, Joash took it to heart to renovate the Lord's temple. So he gathered the priests and Levites and said, Go out to the cities of Judah and collect silver from all over Israel to repair the temple of your God as needed year by year and do it quickly. However, the Levites did not hurry. So the king called Jehoiada the high priest and said, Why haven't you required the Levites to bring from Judah and Jerusalem the tax imposed by the Lord's servant Moses and the assembly of Israel for the tent of the testimony? For the sons of that wicked Athaliah broke into the Lord's temple and even used the sacred things of the Lord's temple for the Baals. At the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside the gate of the Lord's temple. Then a proclamation was issued in Judah and Jerusalem that the tax God's servant Moses imposed on Israel in the wilderness be brought to the Lord. All the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought the tax, and put it in the chest until it was full. Whenever the chest was brought by the Levites to the king's overseers, and when they saw that there was a large amount of silver, the king's secretary and the high priest's deputy came and emptied the chest, picked it up, and returned it to its place. They did this daily and gathered the silver in abundance. Then the king and Jehoiada gave it to those in charge of the labor on the Lord's temple who were hiring stone-cutting cutters and carpenters to renovate the Lord's temple, also blacksmiths and coppermiths to repair the Lord's temple. The workmen did their work, and through them, the repairs progressed. They restored God's temple and it to its specifications and reinforced it. When they had finished, they presented the rest of the silver to the king and Jehoiada, who made articles for the Lord's temple with it, articles for ministry and for making burnt offerings and ladles and articles of gold and silver, They regularly offered burnt offerings in the Lord's temple throughout Jehoiada's life. Jehoiada died when he was old and full of days. He was 130 years old at his death. He was buried in the city of David with the kings because he had done what was good in Israel with respect to God and his temple. However, after Jehoiada died, the rulers of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them and they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and served the Asherah poles and their idols. So there was wrath against Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Nevertheless, he sent them prophets to bring them back to the Lord. They admonished them, but the people would not listen. The Spirit of God enveloped Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. He stood above the people and said to them, This is what God says. Why are you transgressing the Lord's command so that you do not prosper? Because you have abandoned the Lord. He has abandoned you. But they conspired against him and stoned him at the king's command in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash didn't remember the kindness that Zechariah's father Jehoiada had extended to him, but killed his son. While he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and demand an account. At the turn of the year, an Aramean army attacked Joash. They entered Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people among them and sent all the plunder to the king of Damascus. Although the Aramean army came with only a few men, the Lord handed over a vast army to them because the people of Judah had abandoned the Lord, 
the God of their ancestors, so they executed judgment on Joash. When the Arameans so that saw that Joash had many wounds, they left him. His servants conspired against him and killed him on his bed because he had shed the blood of the sons of the priest Jehoiada. So he died and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, son of the Ammonite woman Shimeath, and Jehotzabad, son of the Moabite woman Shimrith. The accounts of concerning his sons, the many divine pronouncements about him, and the restoration of God's temple are recorded in the writing of the book of the kings. His son Amaziah became king in his place. Zechariah 7. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sheritzer, Regamelech, and their men to plead for the Lord's favor by asking the priests who were at the house of the Lord of Armies as well as the prophets, should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we have done these many years? Then the word of the Lord of Armies came to me, ask all the people of the land and the priests when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and in the seventh months for these seventy years, did you really fast for me? When you eat and drink, don't you eat and drink simply for yourselves? Aren't these the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and secure along with its surrounding cities and when the southern region and the Judean foothills were inhabited? The word of the Lord came to Zechariah. The God of armies says this, Make fair decisions, show faithful love and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the resident alien or the poor, and do not plot evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder. They closed their ears so that they could not hear. They made their hearts like a rock so as not to obey the law or the words that the Lord of armies had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. Therefore, intense anger came from the Lord of armies, just as he had called and they would not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord of armies. I scattered them with a windstorm all over all the nations that had not known them, And the land was left desolate behind them, with no one coming or going. They turned a pleasant land into a desolation. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a measuring reed like a rod with these words, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count those who worship there, but exclude the courtyard outside the temple. Don't measure it, because it is given to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for forty-two months." I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1,260 days dressed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. They have authority to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague whenever they want. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war on them, conquer them, and kill them. Their dead bodies will lie in the main street of the great city, which figuratively is called Sodom in Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified, and some of the people's tribes, languages, and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days and not permit their bodies to be put into a tomb. Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. 
and they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched them. At that moment, a violent earthquake took place. A tenth of the city fell and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. Their survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Take note, the third woe is coming soon. And the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Yes, the 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God, the Almighty, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. Then then the temple of God in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hail. Wow, that is a powerful chapter. Well, my friends, may the Lord accompany you. May he guide you. May he lead you by his truth, and may you stick to it, holding fast to Jesus the Lord and Savior, the King of Kings. Good day to you, and Godspeed.